Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the AP Reread. I'm here with Amy, Elizabeth, and Naomi today. Today, we're going to be exploring and deepening our understanding of The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. This is definitely a very thought-provoking story that transforms patriarchal ideas into a new entire world of its own. Let's get started with our summary. Amy, take it away. Alright, so first we wanted to start out today's podcast with a quick summary of our novel. The Handmaid's Tale follows the story of our protagonist, Ulfred, as she narrates her way through her life as a handmaid to a powerful commander and his wife in a post-American society known as Glee. This world that the readers are brought into is one ruled by strict religious doctrine and oppresses women used the guys that are and they are keeping them free from the horrible sinful lives they once lived all right elizabeth go ahead go ahead and continue with our summary a little bit more about Alfred's story. So her story is one of forced surrogation, as she is one of the few for the woman left, and her sole job is to create children for the commander. And as readers, as her story progresses, we see how more of her world is revealed, and we see her develop interesting relationships with many of the characters, um, including the commander himself and the affair we see with Nick. And specifically, the commander is really interesting because he plays, plays games with her and talks to her somewhat like a normal person. And as readers, we're sort of led on to believe that there's something more genuine to it, genuine to it. But we come to find it's only for personal gain. And him and many of the other commanders are incredibly hypocritical, hypocritical, and in turn morally corrupt. All right, Naomi, just go ahead and continue on with our summary. Just as morally as corrupt as the commander, his wife, Serena Joy, who hopes in the oppression of other women and herself has desperation for a child, it leads her to strike a deal with Alfred in an attempt to make a child with Nick, the driver, who later becomes Alfred's only source of comfort and then helps her with a possible escape. Overall, it's a look into religion and an authoritarian government and female freedom and empowerment. Great. Thank you so much, Naomi. I just wanted to quickly add on to the end here. Um, I think a really key part of the story is like the dystopia that it takes place in. So towards the end here, they kind of, and we're going to bring this up later again in our podcast today, but I just wanted to quickly make note of these historical notes because throughout the novel, we got really many like confusing terms. Like our readers typically have many questions as they read this novel because everything's just so foreign, which is how Margaret Atwood, I believe, intended it to be. And these historical notes at the end, like by this professor, they're supposed to explain everything, but that's just kind of how it ends on this cliffhanger and we're going to touch back on cliffhangers here later today um let's move on thank you all for that great summary let's move on to our next segment i wanted to take a look specifically today at like chapter one and like a closer analysis at how margaret atwood really sets up this dystopian stage so i think that throughout this dystopian tale atwood does an excellent job creating and maintaining um this dystopian society that she creates 
Um, everything stems back to chapter one, and it really sets the scene for the rest of the novel as a whole. Um, the reader, we're like immediately transported. We know it's foreign, like by the use of these words like angel, handmaiden, commander, in such like a foreign context. Um, like we don't know, like what does that mean? Who are these people? It's it's not typically how the word angel would be used and we're kind of left to make our own assumptions and decisions about what these words mean because Margaret Atwood really doesn't define them straight out in the beginning of the novel. I believe that she intended for this initial confusion to mirror like the confusion of our main character, Offred, like how she felt at the beginning of the novel is just confused and I like Amy do you have anything to add about like how Atwood how she sets up and creates um the mood and the tone for the rest of the novel all starting back in chapter one um yeah I think it's really important to like take a look at like the mood and tone of um of her writing and I think like, the mood and the language is like stale almost it's meant to create an air of being frozen in time like how the women feel. Everything that Ofred says here is spoken in simple, concrete facts with absolutely no character at all. This also seems even in the names of our characters, all named after who they came from. They have no identity or original names, stripping away any individuality that they may have had. Now, originally, I thought, like, okay, well, we're not going to be able to kind of dive into like to who these characters really are and like really analyze them but i think the tone and like the language it just really represents their society how it's so bland and stale and how like these women are struggling to have an identity because they're so oppressed and they're objects and it's just yeah yeah (laughs) but um anyways uh naomi did you want to add um yeah i i wanted to add how like in the in the beginning it seemed like um it, it, the story was stale and it kind of made it a little difficult to understand like what was really going on um or like the gene in the gymnasium you could tell they were all determined to achieve something and seemed to have a sense of how they might be able to get away from their i guess cage um wanting to use the guards, um, using an opportunity, showing how the women were able to learn certain things and adapt to their environment in order to, like like you said, maintain some sort of identity since they're like taken away because they were able to learn the names of the others without speaking. So you could tell that there was like something going on and it was like, something that could probably threaten their lives because they, they weren't even able to speak to each other. But there wasn't anything else revealed. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, like, the names are a really essential part of this story because they really, like, their parents don't name them. They can't pick their own names. It's kind of this weird, like, of Fred. Like, how that, that's how they came up with Alfred's name. I just thought that was a very interesting aspect of this novel. Um, Elizabeth, did you have anything to add here in just, like, how Margaret Atwood sets up this tone? It can even be throughout the rest of the book. And that's that before we move on to our third segment. Maybe? Yeah, I think that uh, the way she set it up, in chapter one she did a really well 
jo- a good job of maintaining that throughout the entire novel. I feel like a lot of times, sometimes books start off one way, but kind of merge into something else. But I feel like Margaret Atwood did a really well job of throughout the whole novel. There was always this kind of undertone of eeriness about this whole society and just kind of how crazy all the rules were. And I think that definitely did start all from chapter one. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. I quickly wanted to, I know we didn't necessarily have a plan for today, but it this kind of, this conversation kind of brought me back to how this novel really mirrors like how slavery was in the US society. Like these slaves who came over didn't really have an identity. They were kind of stripped of their names. They I mean, they maybe felt that they were in some sort of odd dystopia with a new foreign language and they didn't understand what was going on and they were just kind of thrown in there with no explanation. And I think that the way Offred and these women feel, they just feel kind of confined and like stuffy. And like as Amy said, like the mood is dry and stale and we just don't know exactly what's going on here. Just kind of how slaves did when they were coming back to America. Just think about that, you know, in different times, like kind of the same time period, Kind of makes a connection. Kaylee, did you have something to add before we move on to the segment three? I saw you were ready to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to agree with what you were saying relating the whole story to slavery. I also got uh, like a like the sort of vibes from um, the Holocaust with how it um, they would send them to the colonies to work them to death, which was basically like concentration camps. Um, and the whole uh, women are less than human basically because they were treated like cattle um like and and i guess it's this idea that that it could be repeated history was repeated but in a different way where it wasn't the jews this time it was women because they weren't seen as equals by um this uh patriarchal uh, government that they were able to establish yeah, I really think like this. And now we're going to move on where exactly really we really wanted to talk about like these themes throughout the novel of just like this oppressive um, patriarchal society. So Elizabeth, if you want to just start off talking about one of our key themes throughout this novel, you can go right ahead. Yeah, so I think one of the most important idea we see in The Handmaid's Tale is kind of the way women's bodies have become something like an object. They're seen only as the means to reproduction and the government wants them to serve no other purpose and they are the ones and they are the ones that um control these women and their bodies which obviously leads to the strict regulations they all have the government does not want to let them have any sort of freedom or develop any kind of independent thought so that they don't undermine you know their husbands or not the husbands sorry the commanders um or anyone else so that they can continue serving their purpose and i almost think this can be mirrored into the society where um women are often objectified and their purpose is seen as providing either sexual pleasure or kind of being confined to housework and extending this even farther i mean we still see uh you know a pay difference between women and men the amount of women in corporate offices all of this and I think The Handmaid's Tale is just a very extreme way of showing these patriarchal ideas so I think The Handmaid's Tale patriarchy is a clear theme seen in it and it does emphasize the regress to traditional gender roles 
Yeah, I also wanted to add, we were having a class discussion a couple days ago, and I just want to make a note that, like, when we think throughout the novel, it's like, who is the villain here? Is it the commander? Is it Serena Joy? Is it, like, Nick? But I really, and I think we've kind of talked, I think it's really all men. Like, I think all men in this novel as a whole are just the villain in general. Amy, do you have anything to add to that? Oh, you know, I just wanted to agree with you. Like, I... Like, are there people in this novel that did bad things? Yes, of course. But was it really, like, could we really pinpoint me, like, oh, yeah, they were definitely the antagonist? I I think it was, yeah, society as a whole. And it was just, the novel was kind of explaining the, how women dealt with being in a society like this. Now, I wanted to ask you guys a question because, um, like, the generals in this book are, like, we've never truly experienced like this form of like objectification and just not being allowed to speak without speaking to but i know some people talked about like it being like similar to like how people treated the holocaust or people treating slavery like but i wanted to ask you guys like do you think like in present day do you think there are like women like in our world that are like treated like this yeah, I mean, I'm like, I just, I can answer first to that one and then we can move on and see if anyone else has any additional thoughts. But I think for sure, because definitely in like um, less developed countries throughout the world, like women are seen as like useless still. Like I know in China, I, maybe this was a couple years ago where they had that law about like restricting how many like kids the women could have because it was more desirable to have a son rather than a daughter because they could work longer and harder and even in other like areas like women like in, in I know some like culture to traditions like allow like that the woman doesn't she doesn't choose her husband and she doesn't choose who she gets to marry and she kind of just gets like sold or sent away to go be married and she doesn't get to choose who she's with um did you guys have anything else to add about like women like oppression in the world today before we move on to our last segment yeah i just want i feel like um a part of my this novel is kind of so hitting to us is because we're so i feel like almost sheltered you know we've only lived in our little high school bubble so we don't like really know or have experienced um these kind of ideas portrayed into the people and so i think that's part of the reason why for us when we're reading the handmaid's tale we're thinking oh this is so crazy and horrible but to someone else they might read it and it might seem something like more normal yeah i mean when i was oh amy sorry go go ahead amy. No, i wanted to ask that question because like when i was reading it, i was like oh my god this is so awful like i'm like okay but this doesn't happen in our lives like this doesn't happen now in the present like this is so like weird dystopian society but then like i realized like for a lot of women that live in 2021 this is the reality and if they would read this book they'd be like this is my life and that's honestly like scary to think like that as like humans as like society as a whole we have not progressed that far in all countries to realize like that women have worth that's more than monetary value like they are people and i just thought that that was really interesting like almost like eye-opening because like in our of course in the u.s but be common for women to be treated like this no 
but if you like, like what Maddie was saying, like in third world countries, yeah, people are sold into marriage. People are only allowed to have a certain amount of children. Some women aren't allowed to go outside without men, and it's just really fascinating. Yeah, like as I was reading it, I was like, hmm, this is strange and dystopian, but also yet pretty realistic and the suppression and like women being used for sex and women being used just in general I think is not uncommon in our world today which is quite unfortunate but moving on um the way we just want to quickly touch on when we got a couple minutes left here quickly touch on like cliffhanger like that cliffhanger this book ends on like what happens to Offred? what happens to nick what happens to all these characters in the book as we like approach the end they're like oh like these historical notes like this professor he's gonna tell us like okay this is what happened this is why the like we're gonna finally like all the answers to our questions it's all gonna come together everything's gonna make sense we're gonna get a solid ending and then we don't and i was honestly i was disappointed i still had questions it's like what happened what happened to these characters it was really frustrating because i didn't like there's no like sequel to this book i mean i wanted to touch on like they have the tv series but you know like does the cliffhanger does it help like does it like oh like they still want to leave you does atwood still want to leave you with questions like does this cliffhanger like does it work for this story like how did they continue that in the tv show and you know like if you guys had anything you wanted to add go right ahead but i think the cliffhanger here was for me it was frustrating no yeah i totally agree i was like so Like, that was, like, at the end, that's really what my mindset was. I was like, really? You had to do that? And I don't know how that, like, is it probably effective for, like, a TV show? Yeah. But for, like, a book-wise? I don't know. Like, because is she, is she going to write, like, a series of books then? Or, and if she does, is she just going to start off with all of the answers? Probably not. So, oh, okay, well, what are these answers? What are these questions going to be answered? And I was just, it was kind of frustrating because I just wanted to have like a reasoning for everything that happened in the novel. And it was like, we almost got it. And then I was like, oh, never mind. Yeah. Anybody else wants to add? Yeah. I, I just wanted to quickly say again, like, it was so frustrating. And I, what I was gonna say um did you guys have anything else to add before we wrap it up here for today I know we only got like a few minutes left yeah I know that uh like I also felt the frustration of the ending but it's almost I feel like I wouldn't expect anything else from Margaret Atwood based on the way she wrote the entire novel uh she really kept throughout every chapter you know adding more information and then leaving us with questions so I feel like even though I wanted all the questions answered I like I kind of knew that she wouldn't just in one chapter answer every single question I feel like it's very typical of her to leave it open-ended yeah thank you Elizabeth um Naomi did you have anything to add about these cliffhangers at the end of the novel before we wrap it up for today yeah um I think that the cliffhangers can be effective like in the TV series, how they continue the ending. I think with the book having a cliffhanger, it was a smart idea to continue a little more in the, ser- in the TV series because those who wanted um, more of a more of a, a cleaner ending, where they get their questions answered, would return to this TV series. And I felt like uh, that was pretty a pretty good idea on her part. 
to continue it because then she's getting a lot more viewers to watch her show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could totally argue that it was some sort of marketing technique for the show. I've, of course, I've never seen the show, but the book and the way it ended uh, really made me want to watch the show and hopefully get more of my questions answered. All right, so that's about it for today. Uh, Amy, did you want to wrap everything up? Oh, yeah. Okay, you guys. So we really went in depth on the role of patriarchy and how it had the development of the character over it as well as the novel entirely and by like identifying tones and mood shifts we were able to analyze this dystopian society as a whole we hope you guys enjoyed listening and bye guys